This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E. Hello, Miss E. Hello. <laughs> and baby goats. In the, well, you sounded like there was a comma, not a wait. I was just waiting for you to say hi. Oh, hi. And yes, baby goats in baby the background. Goats, yeah. At the kitchen table, bullet uh, by our side. And uh, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. It has been a very productive last few days uh, here on the 40 Acres as spring is rapidly approaching. And we have uh, decided that, you know, it's time for us to get started here, getting ready for the uh, gardening season. So we had to move the goats because we had put their electronet over the old garden. So they would eat up all the stuff down there. So right, so that was their winter quarters. Right, so we had to move them into different quarters. We've got them a brushy area, so now we have to clean up that whole garden area. That's going to be lots of fun. Yes. <laughs> Mentally, I'm like, I got all these plans, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be so much work. <laughs> well, that's why I was trying to talk you into reducing our footprint, our garden footprint this year, not expanding it. No, no, no. I'm not expanding it. Oh, yes, we are. We're going to have all of that space and we're going to have... Well, no, but I'm not using using all of the space down there. I'm using some of the space, but like, you know, the onions come up, they're done. The The garlic comes up, it's kind of done. The beets come up, they're done. Like right. this is like the the, the root crop. They don't have to be going. done. We could replant. No. We've only done one season yeah. so far. We could probably double dip, but we usually end up using all the seeds. That's true. The first, you know, get go. I hope the baby goats aren't going to be too distracting <laughs> um, or adorable or just cute. They're probably sold soon. So tomorrow they go to the veterinarian. They're getting their CDTs, which is a very good vaccination, and uh, they're also getting disbudded because even though they are are only fifteen days old, today's mm-hmm. sixteen days old. Um, Romeo is already starting to sprout oh, little yeah, horn I buds. That last yeah, night. so and I take him to the vet because. Our vet is super, super duper nice, and he actually gives them sort of like a numbing agent in the vicinity, so it doesn't hurt them as much. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. when you just bud them, you're you're actually you're cauterizing the part where the bur- the the horn is coming. It's a special gun, like a, it's like a big 
rod with a hot tip. It's, do you remember? Now, you might not be old enough to remember this, but for the people who are older than you, uh, cigarette lighters. I remember cigarette okay. lighters. Thank so you there were the, the cigarette lighters, you'd push them in and the end got to a certain, right. and it got really hot. That's kind of like an electric version of the the disbudding thing. Okay. And so he just has to hold it onto their little heads and burn the area to prevent bone and mm-hmm. or bone from becoming horn. And I haven't had any problems with him doing it. A lot of times if you try to do it at home, you're you don't do it enough. Right. Um, but none of my, uh, except for one boy got a scur, but that's because of the testosterone, but none of the girls have had problems with scurs, scurs, scours, whatever. They're like the horns that grow like yeah. kind of half buddedly. Like they're not a real horn, but they're like, eh, hi, I'm trying they real hard. Back up yeah. After the disbudding has yeah. happened. Right. So that'll happen tomorrow. And yes. then, uh, yes, hopefully the baby goats will go away. Yes. Hopefully. Not that we, you know, we don't like them, but uh, we don't need them. No, I want the milk, and they're using up all the milk that I milk every day. They're actually eating more than I can get out of the two goats that I'm milking right now. Yeah. Because they're eating one and a half quarts, and I'm getting one quart of goat's milk. But, Robin, we still haven't forgotten your request. Uh, if we have two does, uh, we will. Uh, you'll be the first person that we contact. We have two more goats that are expecting. One is... Uh, she threw triplets last year. She's the half Saint and half Nigerian, so her kids are going to be like 67% Nigerian dwarf and 30-whatever percent uh, Saint. And, and then the other one that's due, she's a first freshener, so she might only have one or two. She's 100% Nigerian dwarf, and her offspring are going to be uh, seven-eighths Nigerian dwarf and one-eighth Saint, which is a really good dairy goat. Yeah, Twilight, the half... Nigerian half seinen when she's at full peak she gives me almost a gallon a day half a gallon a day a little bit more than a half a gallon a day which is really good for her no I was totaling because the last time I milked it was her and Franny right so and it was about a gallon a day yeah but but it's Twilight's given the whole half yeah Franny gives two of the little bits yeah so they're jumping all over the cardboard box okay. in there. Just wanted to make sure that was just the cardboard box. And no, goats, all the uh, wires are up. We've got things blocked <laughs> off that they can't get to. They do try to do. What's that when they when people go running across places and they jump off of solid surface parkour? Parkour. They yeah. parkour off my bookcases <laughs> and off the bar. But yeah, you know, I remember when we were first married and uh, I was working in Oklahoma City, and uh, I had to cover a monkey birthday party. And I remember thinking to myself, covering this monkey that was owned by a lady, and his name was Winston. And, and he she was would, wearing a tuxedo. Yeah well, yeah, well, actually, that was a different monkey birthday party. Uh, that was Winston's birthday party. You're right. The one that I, I got to cover first uh, was another birthday party for another monkey, because apparently there was a little community of monkey owners uh, in Oklahoma City, and they would have parties. And this was at a restaurant. Oh, because we went to the other monkey. We went to, the we went to Winston's right. but party. I remember like, the first time I was confronted with the fact that there are there was more than one person in Oklahoma City who owned a monkey, uh, and that there was this little monkey-owning community. I just remember thinking how weird it was. And now I come home, and I see baby goats bouncing around my family room, and I think to myself... I've become just as weird as the monkey lady. Well, no, those no. See, this is a temporary thing. (laughs) Like the only reason that we have them in the house at all is because 
their mom was a first freshener, which means this is the first time she's ever had children. She was ridiculously clueless, and it was freezing cold, and I had already lost a couple of babies due to the weather earlier that week. I'm sure and this I wasn't, is how this started with the monkey lady, too. I'm sure she thought, listen, when he gets no, bigger, she didn't, I'll, I'll she, have a, a swing for him in the backyard, and the monkey will just live outside. No, and that's then, not how monkey people are. I, but I they're like their children. What, I bet that's, that's what she thought. That's why they put them in little clothing. Did you see all those little monkeys in doll dresses? And did you see the pictures of our baby goats in little tiny sweaters? And are they not wearing little diapers right now? I okay. Mean, listen, I'm glad they're wearing diapers. The diapers is wrong. to prevent crap from all over the house. <laughs> I can't, it can't cover the, the boy, but it covers her. So I'm, I'm covered with three quarters of the effluent that will come out of them are being taken care of by the diapers. Although I think Romeo's tail is a little going to be positively, uh, permanently crooked as a result of, <laughs> I put it in and I try to push it to the other side now, but his tail wants to keep going to the one way, but whatever. He's still adorable. But no, this is just, this is temporary. This is because of the the health and safety and well being that I wanted them to have, you know, be 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 you know taken care of and warm and what healthy. This is what I had. This is what I was resort. This is what I had to resort to. All right, so. monkey people know that they're always going to have a feces flinging toddler in their lives. As long as they own a monkey, absolutely. Yes. Uh, okay, so next question. Since now we have had. 31 chickens uh, living in our house 30, for a, a period 30, of weeks. 32, because I got two free with purchase. Uh, and now you've had two and a half weeks of, of goats, baby goats in your house. Which is worse? Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, there's no comparison. The, the chickens were in for my... They had to be in my office for like four months. They caused like a ridiculous amount of dust everywhere in the house. And I couldn't take them outside at all because they were so small. We got them in February. So mm-hmm. the weather was like, yeah, we're stuck until April. I can take them outside. They can run around. Unlike chickens, they're actually kind of smart and they, they're, they're sort of imprinted on me. So we go outside and they just follow me all over the yard. Right. Baby chicks would just be like all over the place crazy. That's them jumping at the gate. I'm over here. They hear me and they think... It's the food. It's the food. She's over there. She's just right there, and I'm hungry, and it's not quite time to eat yet. But I don't know if we're breaking any sort of uh, uh, you know etiquette rules of podcasting by having the baby goats bleeding in the background. But uh, anyway, we're going to take this, a quick timeout. This is forty acres and a fool. It is. You never know what you're going to hear. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> on every episode, stick around. We are just getting started here on this week's Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing 
washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I was going to say the uh, kids are now in bed. The children are now in bed. The kids are still up, as you can hear. Yeah, it's getting close to bottle time. So <laughs> That'll be the next commercial break. Uh, so one of the other things that we did accomplish this weekend, the greenhouse is finished. Finally. Finally. I know. I felt like, okay, so it wasn't my issue. Like, the doors were kind of problematic. And then when we first started to put them together, all of the screw heads kept snapping off. And so I called the company. I said, hey, this is a problem. This is all the hardware in bag number six, the screws of the two different lengths. I'm having an issue. They were going to send them to me. They sent me nuts and bolts. (laughs) Not Not screws. Metal screws so i went and got some more and then i got another time where i was able to sit down and put the thing together and i was like i'm missing a piece like i was missing an entire upright so i could only build two doors and like not the other side okay so then i finally got that a couple weeks later and then it was just winter and it was just winter it's just hard to work outside on big things to build when it's cold outside so yeah finally just milked the goats got up really early milked the goats it was the first thing i got on and I'll be damned if I didn't put them all, both wrong, probably, together <laughs> at all. But they're up. They're on the damn house. They're keeping it. It's closed off. Whatever. It's done. I'm, 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 I'm done. If you were building this for someone else, you would probably not be satisfied. No, I would have but disassembled. Point, building it for- but after all the screw heads just kept breaking and I couldn't get them out. And so the doors are kind of has acidly kept together. I was hoping that the epoxy with the panels would just sort of keep them from falling apart because yeah, it's just, but yeah, if I was doing it for somebody else, I would have taken the time to take them apart and put them together the right way, but it's mine and I'm not perfect and neither is my greenhouse. (laughs) Going with that. Everything else on the greenhouse was put together correctly. Mm -hmm. I have to say that. It's just that was doors. Yeah, and, uh, well, you know, again, hopefully they'll work. We can put the plastic strips behind the doors, give it a little bit of extra insulation. And I think think it's going to be fine. Like, it's, you know, right now it's just too cold at night anyway. Right. We're in Virginia. We're not in Arizona. You know, we're not in someplace warm where it's going to be warm overnight. So I think by the time we get to where we have to move seedlings out or Mm -hmm. start things for later on in the year, like things that, like, okay, we start... Uh, beets and stuff now and they get a chance to germinate well in a couple of weeks we want to start the next round of something who is that now that's bullet okay sleep at our feet scratching, <laughs> scratching. the wall okay. with his big paws <laughs> sounds like a bear trying to get in the house um okay so yeah so by then the the greenhouse will be warm enough overnight so we can actually start things for later in the season Right. And keep it go and also I can start flowers. We can keep lettuces growing all year long. Mm-hmm. Different kinds of mescaline and salad greens could go all the time. So, yeah, it, it's it'll work out, but we're still going to have to probably in our area with we want to start things when we want to start them, we're probably still going to have to start seeds inside. Yeah. So, the next thing that we have to do, uh we have to 
get the the old garden that we're not going to use. We're going to use for everything but tomatoes and potatoes, basically. Right. Uh, we have to. We we pulled up all of the stakes or all of the uh, you know big metal poles there, the fence posts that we were using for yeah. the uh, Florida fences. Right for the tomatoes. Uh, so now it's just a matter of rototilling it. Yeah. Uh, maybe killing it with some organic weed killer. Yep. And then uh, just evening it out. The uh, the raised beds will be no more. No, it was it was a good idea, but it was so much harder to weed. Mm-hmm. And it was harder to just get work around because the paths and the raised like you it was just if if they were like you know perfectly wonderful raised beds built in wooden containers that were you know maintained by you know awesome gardeners who knew what the hell they were doing then yeah it probably would right. worked out really great but in my case not so much it's trial and error it's a sloped garden that doesn't get a lot of sun in in sections so we had parts of the garden that did great and parts that didn't so i'm planning accordingly and because of the blight we have to move the tomatoes completely out of that garden anyway yeah so the tomatoes and the potatoes i think the potatoes actually might go in the front of the house we've got because uh, you wanted to do some container uh, growing for the potatoes. So yeah. That might be a good spot in the sort of L of the house that we have. And it would be cute because we can set them up because there's, it's the kind of, like I, t- I explained, there was like four by four boxes that you just sort of add sliders to add more mm-hmm. dirt and let it grow up. And then when it's all finished, you sort of disassemble it and pull all the potatoes out. Yeah. So. And the, uh, the tomatoes will be going over by where uh, we planted the apple trees, yep. where the pigs are, where the hogs are now. And then we have to figure out what we're going to do with the hogs. Well, they're on the opposite side of where the hogs are now. Like well, the garden is going to go on the opposite side of the orchard and the, and the yes, hogs. But roughly like, in the same area. Well, yeah, but it made it sound like you were the hogs were in the orchard, and that's now no, where we're right going. Next the hogs to, are the hogs were in the orchard area before it became the orchard. They all right. dug it up and made it all nice and fertile, and then we put the apple trees in there. Yes, <laughs> and now they're next to yes. uh, the orchard, and then we have to figure out what we're going to do with the hogs. We're going to butcher them. Because it's all money in and nothing out. We had this conversation because we're just paying to feed them. They're not going to get any bigger. They're just going to get fatter. Mm -hmm. And they're going to get tougher because they're going to get older. Mm -hmm. And we've run out of sausage. And that's tantamount to a crime in our family. That's our bacon supply right now. Well, I have a belly to cure, but there's only a couple of actual slabs of bacon. So Mm. there's something else. And we had uh, a, um, a friend of one of our... Old or one of our, our second oldest mm-hmm. came to me and said, "Hey, I I I'm a butcher. He's learning how to be a butcher. Um, he, he, I love his pictures on Instagram. We have a, a mutual admiration society going on with the meat <laughs> things. Um, and he wants to have he wants to do some charcuterie for his wedding in September. So he wants to come down and maybe help me butcher some hogs and take some with him. And I was like, you you contacted me at the perfect time. We were just talking about how." They're all money in and nothing out right now. And sure, let's hear. Let's talk about it. Here's my phone number. We'll we'll discuss things this weekend. So, so we've got we've got four younger ones, and then we've got Abigail, our 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 breeder. Abigail's staying. Keep right. Yeah, she'll just be the pet mascot. I mean, she might be too fat to breed. We might be able to get lucky, but she might be a little too fat to breed. But she's just I can't do anything. I mean, she's got too much personality right now. I can't eat Abigail. We ate Martha because she was kind of a, you know, she wasn't yeah. very nice. But no. Abigail's kind of like a dog. She talks to you. She comes over. She wants scratches. She's real nice. She, 
Jeez, Bullet almost bit my thumb off tonight getting a piece of meat. Abigail's actually nice and gentle when she takes things out of my hand. Right. So she'll be like the mascot until she's just, she's just luring old, you in, old and ornery, and then I'll be like butchering her like that five year old eight hundred pound <laughs> hog. Um, Oh, Abigail, you just got out of hand. <laughs> that was the the one you uh, trained on. Yes, the supersized eight, which was to, a, a pet. Hog. It was a pet hog that was like five or six years old, but the people just couldn't do anything. They couldn't process them because it was their pet. Right. But he was like eight. He was easily between eight hundred and a thousand pounds. So there was no containing him. So he was wreaking havoc on their farm. And it was like, well, we need to get rid of him, but we can't do it. So can somebody else come get it? And that's how I learned. I learned on the big super size, which is kind of cool because it's kind of like, you, you know how that game operation, mm-hmm. you have the little tiny tweezers and the little tiny holes that you have to kind of get your thing. You have to get it out without getting zapped. Right. This is like operation on steroids. <laughs> so everything is so big that you can't really mess up. You can see all the parts, and you're like, "Oh, that's where that is." And you can get so yeah, it was it was really cool to learn on something that big. But now to scale it back, like the next thing I did by myself uh, or with my, with my friend was a little tiny goat. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's kind of relative, but not you guys. You're gonna go to a new home. We're not gonna eat you. It's okay. Nothing personal. It's, uh, it's not often we get a, uh, a live audience <laughs> that's so reactive to uh, to what we're saying. All right, we might need to take a time out here. Is it uh, is it feeding time for them yet? Not no, yet, right? No, it's way too early, and I don't want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to feed them again, so yeah. no, they're going to have to wait. All right, well, we're going to have a uh, an audience here for the next couple segments of uh, 40 Acres. Think of, of it as the chorus. That's right. It's the It's almost like a laugh track. That too. At, at, at inappropriate moments. A laugh track is a, but, but someone who's really drunk and maybe half deaf. I was thinking. Uh, running the laugh track, so they just don't really, they're not paying much attention. Maybe they've got attention deficit disorder. I was thinking old timey, like William Shakespeare, where there was always off in the distance, there was the chorus that would. Or like know. even old, old timey, or yeah. like the Greek chorus, right? Yeah, and the Greek chorus, you know. They always had something to say. Yeah. Whether you wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> Just like the baby goats. No, they're <laughs> they're off right. somewhere. Don't worry about it. They'll all come right. back. We will uh, We'll be back. All of us will be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this quick timeout. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. Two questions. The first of which is, has Marco Rubio hit on exactly the right place to puncture Trump's balloon, i.e., con man, con man, con man? And the second question, which I truly hope we will discuss further, is, did the wrong guy take our advice? Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. Here at the kitchen table on the uh, Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, oh, see, I thought maybe they'd fallen asleep. but No, uh, no way. No, apparently they just fallen. If I keep talking, they're going to keep complaining. <laughs> well, it is not time for these baby goats to eat yet. Uh, yep. It is not time for us to get to... Uh, emails from you, although uh, we are happy to receive them. 
whenever you send them. The email address is 40 acres. No, what is it? 40 acre fool at gmail.com. Yeah, 40 acre fool. 40 acre fool at gmail.com. So you've been, uh, you've been reading a bunch of, uh, interesting Soviet either communist propaganda or not. And I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like really worried about your list of books <laughs> that keep coming delivered to the house. Cause I'm sure you're going to get on a list somewhere like the old McCarthy list, but in a different way. It's been, well, first of all, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks since I've, I've gotten uh, any books delivered here, but no, you're right. I've been on this, uh, this uh, tear about, I, I'm fascinated by, um, the stories of people who defected from the Soviet Union. So and, and who defected from communism. Does this, does this whole thing start from being fascinated by the actual true story behind the TV show, The Americans? No. No? No. Before then. Uh, it started when I read this book called Witness. No, no, no. We, yeah, 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 we, yeah. Americans was a couple of years ago. Witness was not that far away. Witness came out in the 1950s. Yeah, and but I, you, you just read it recently. No. I, I've reread it. I've, I read it probably starting five or six years ago. And... Uh. have read it several times since then, and I've also read more and collected more Whitaker Chambers books. But no, that was the start, was reading Witness, which is the story of Whitaker Chambers, who was a Soviet spy, an American Soviet spy, who broke with communism uh, in the late 1930s and then uh, came forward in the 1940s and accused Alger Hiss, uh, who worked at the State Department during World War II and uh, at the time was the head of the Carnegie Foundation for World Peace, accused him of being a... Soviet spy, and that's what got me started reading this whole genre of people who either left communism or they left the Soviet Union and left communism, and then they they wrote their stories uh, because starting in the 1930s and then, I mean, really up to today, this is, you've got these books coming out, whether it's, you know, leaving the Soviet Union or North Korea or China, um... And it's fascinating to read all these similarities of people who are leaving totalitarian regimes. That's what, what really interests me. Well, that's all they got right now. They leave the totalitarian, and they're like, ooh, you've left. What are you going to say? So everybody writes a book, and they're all going to say the same stuff. Like, it sucked. That's why I left. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, but the, the it sucked is part of it, but it's only part of it. You know, everybody has their own stories, and everybody left in their own different ways. Um, like, I just read this one book. Uh, it came out just a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. It's called The Most Wanted Man in China. I just finished it. It's by this guy, uh, Fang Lizi, who was a physicist. And he uh, was born in China in the 1920s. He was born before communism. And he was in college, actually, when uh, the communists took over. He was expelled from the Communist Party in the 1950s. Spent 28 years outside of the party. Kept having to, uh, they kept sending him to go, you know, work on farms and go be a coal miner. And he's a physicist. Well, that's because they had that really stupid, like, everybody should learn everything thing rather than the it was Well, thing. it was the, the intellectuals needed to be put in their place. And they needed to be taught by the proletariat. Uh, but it was basically just punishment for the intellectuals. It was punishment for the people who had the, the un- Good Unmitigated thoughts. gall to go ahead and get themselves educated. That's just stupid. No, Why no, would no, you punish somebody for you being could smart? Be, you could be educated. You couldn't think improper thoughts. You had to use that education for the good of society. You had to you had to use that education in its proper Marxian uh, uh, form. Ah, you know, you couldn't be guilty of rightist elements, which is what this guy was kicked out of the Communist Party for. Uh, and then he got he got 
restored to the Communist Party like 28 years later in this reform period. And so he started speaking out uh, about the need for reform. And uh, he was one of the guys who inspired the Tiananmen Square protests in the uh, late 80s in China. And then he ended up having to leave China. And he spent 20 years here in the United States. And so he spent 13 months in the U.S. Embassy trying to get out of China. And this is when he wrote uh, his memoir called The Most Wanted Man in China. It's absolutely fascinating to see, like, you know, how the scale sort of fell from his eyes. That's That, to me, is what's most interesting. Like, oh, yeah. yes, it's everything, you know, everybody who writes a story about living under communist rule talks about how awful it was. What's but fascinating to me is first. what what did it take right. to get you to leave? Right. Because, yeah, you liked it at some point. Absolutely. And so for this guy, it was a long time coming, uh, really, before he finally decided, okay, this is communism. At first he thought maybe communism and science don't really work well together. Uh, It's hard to have dialectical science. It's hard to have science when it has to exist within, you know, the, uh, well, Marx said this and Lenin said this. And if it doesn't fit, then, you know, it must not be true. Anyway, after he got out of the embassy, um, he went to the University of Arizona and he taught physics for uh, 20 years. He just died a couple of years ago. And the, it, this memoir that he wrote while he was in the embassy has just now been published. And I thought it was interesting. Um, apparently, after he got out in 1990, he wrote a piece um, called The Chinese Amnesia. And he actually wrote it, or he had started writing it while he was still in the embassy. And he was saying that he thought that what happened in Tiananmen Square was soon going to be forgotten uh, in China, even mm. though you're talking about, you know, 100,000 people, you know, hunger strikes, the military coming in, 200,000 people going into the military members going into the capital city and slaughtering civilians. Like, how could that be forgotten? All the historians of the time and all the all the smart set said, well, no, 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 this is something that's going to be like an indelible part of, of Chinese culture yeah. going on. And he said, China. right. So uh, quoting from uh, uh, the translator here for uh, for this book, he said, um, Fang's analysis was that Chinese demands for liberalization had risen had risen in uh, pre-revolutionary uh, times in uh, in the 1940s, and then again, like in the 1950s, you had the Hundred Flowers Movement. Like every generation had its own form of its own protest movement, and still all of them had been crushed by the communist. I was going to say it still didn't do anything, and none of them knew about each other. Oh, because the. You're right. not allowed to talk about stuff. Right. right. He said, uh, no group knew the history of protest in its country or about the progress that its predecessors had made. This happened, Fang wrote, because the Chinese Communist Party has a program for erasing the memory of protest, uh, and it works. Party leaders will be applying it again, he predicted, and it will likely work again. Um, that they learned that from the Russians. Yeah. They rewrite history so that things just don't exist anymore. Right. And, you know, it got me thinking... Like, so what aren't we learning today? Yeah, I've had these conversations with Kyle uh, Morgan, our technical director down in Farmville, about how, you know, in, in history class back in high school and in, in college, but uh, a lot in, in high school, you get to the end of the year, which is the time, and, you know, so now you're up to, generally speaking, like the modern history, right? The stuff that may have happened in your lifetime or your, or your parents' lifetime or your grandparents' lifetime. But it's the end of the year, and you have to rush through all of that content, or you don't even cover some of the content that you should be covering because, Mm. you know, you run out of time to talk about the stuff that is, generally speaking, more relevant to you. Right? Yeah, I don't remember learning about um, current 
events in history. I remember Mrs. Scacia just writing scads and scads of notes on the board about early American history. Right. Like, you don't, do you remember learning much about World War II, even? No, not in high school. Right? Wasn't until I got to high college that I learned about World War II stuff. Yeah. But even then, I didn't take that. I was a liberal arts major. I only had to take like one or two history classes, and I took them over the summer to get them out of my way. So. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just fascinating to me because we talk about we, clearly there is that sort of civic uh, ignorance, the growing civic ignorance where well, you know people just don't they don't know about the Constitution. We're not teaching that, well, they, we're, but we're, we're apparently also, not teaching our, our history either. We're not teaching anything. We're failing in geography. We're like so behind a lot of other countries in math and other sort of science things. It's like I don't know what we're t- we're teaching how to be politically correct. We're teaching how to not hurt each other's feelings. We're teaching how not to bully. Oh, we're, we're, do, not- we're doing a crappy job of that too. If you've noticed that, like, <sighs> yeah, right. There seems to be a lot of hurt feelings. <laughs> well, that's because the little precious snowflakes get hurt feelings very easily. But we're not teaching much. The higher you get in the educational system, I swear, the less we're te- actually teaching. Like colleges. I mean, honestly. Yeah, what are, we, at, what are at, they now? They're safe spaces for our precious little snowflakes to complain about how badly they're being treated. I think, again, only for like... I, I think only for some of those college students. I would like to think... <sighs> Rutgers that it is, did it. I, I, I was I, disgusted. Listen, everybody's doing it. The The question is, can you... Get through college in, let's say, an, an engineering program or a computer science program. Can you get through college now without having to run the gauntlet of the uh, social justice warriors who are determined to make you politically correct? Like, as long as you're a female, can you avoid probably. it? But I don't think you can avoid it if you're a male. They've set it up so that men are just horrible people on college campuses. I, but you know, I think that I think that women are under a lot of pressure, though, to conform. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the... It's not that it's censorship. It's not that... Uh, no, in some cases, it's freedom of expression being taken away. But in a lot of cases, like, you've got people who are, you know, proudly proclaiming themselves to be nonconformist who are demanding that people conform. Yeah, and oh, you're... Everybody has a right to their opinion as long as you agree with mine. That's the new liberal progressive thing. You, like, no one can have an opinion unless it agrees with theirs. Which, now you understand why I'm reading so much about people leaving totalitarian regimes, because I keep waiting for that to happen on the left. Now, granted, again, I'm not calling the modern world of academia uh, the same as Stalin's Soviet Union or, or Mao's China, but there is this impulse, again, to make everybody fit within a narrow ideological band, and you're not allowed to leave. And that ideological conformity is rather authoritarian yeah. uh, in its mindset. And I keep waiting to see people say, I'm, I'm fed up with this. Good luck with that. Listen. If, as long as their feelings aren't hurt and they're protected and safe, they're not going to say that they're tired of it. It'll happen sooner or later. The question is, how much worse does it get before it starts to happen? Um, I think it's one of those rock bottom. <laughs> well, something that can't go on forever won't. And I guess at that point, it's going to be, you know... Does the does the higher education system uh, implode financially? Oh, it's going to have to because if Bernie Sanders decides that he's going to run the system, then everybody's going to get free college. So 
the entire financial system of the educational system is going to just blow up. Education Secretary Mike Rowe. I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah, because he would actually put everybody out there, like, get them to do the things that they can, they, they, that are useful. He was my first choice for, uh, for president I thought this year. He was, he's, he's, I was almost going to write him on the bottom of the ballot and put my <laughs> own big circle in because I, 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 as much as I think he would do an awesome job, too, I just I, I, I like him too much to subject him to that. I understand. All right, why don't we uh, take our final time out? It's still not time to eat, baby goats. It's not time to eat yet. Uh, when we return, we'll have your thoughts here on 40 Acres and a Fool. So stick around. We'll be back with more right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. Jeffy's a spammer. Uh, he's spamming a lot of his websites. You probably get uh, some enlargement pills from like, Jeffy. Uh, <laughs> I like much. to send out ads to people who are in need. not customers yet. Yeah, And they're per- potentially in need right. of enlargement of some kind. I mean, you know. Right? Right, right Jeffy? That's one of the products. Pat and Stew. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. It's quiet here at the kitchen table on 40 Acres and a Fool. Which means the goats are probably into something. Or doing something, on something they shouldn't right. be doing right. So uh, <laughs> we'll make this our last segment here. We've got some uh, thoughts from you to get to the email address. Uh, again, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Now, I did see on Twitter this evening, it's a Tuesday night, Super Tuesday night, as we are uh, recording the podcast this week. And our friend and uh, sort of neighbor, Felicity, said, uh, voting today was about as much fun as the last time I had to deliver a dead lamb. Uh, and it was uh, encephalic. And encephalic. And encephalic. And encephalic, I think. Uh, wow. She says the parallels just keep coming. Uh, Felicity, you, uh, you, you, you don't seem to be particularly enthused about uh, voting. And I think many of us, uh, feel the same way, unfortunately. It's like my civic duty hurt today. Yeah, this is one of the, look, I mean, I think we are a nation that is fed up and disgusted, uh, with our political class. And frankly, uh, more and more, we seem to be a nation that is fed up with, uh, uh, we, we seem to be fed up with our fellow Americans. And, you know, look, I don't think this is a good place to be, uh, no. honestly, for, for anybody. I We're not going to get real political uh, here on, on the program, but I, I will just say that I, I'm, I'm worried about where we're going as a country. Uh, and I'm worried about what happens when this sort of splintering really comes to pass after the election. You know, yeah. regardless of who wins at this point, I'm really worried about where we go as a country. Well, yeah, because let's how many how many I'm a little win? bit more worried about where we go if Hillary Clinton wins. But I'm uh, just saying I'm way more worried about that. We have what two choices on the Democratic primary ticket and like 15 and a half choices on the Republican <laughs> ticket. So we're ridiculously divided and undecided and 
it's going to hurt when we all have to come up under the one dude that we probably don't want to have to support, but we're going to have to do the party thing. And I don't know if everybody's going to be able to work together nice after. I I think that's very much an open question. Um, and I, I hope that people will uh, be able yeah. to work together. But I, 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 I honestly... Have, I have low expectations because there's been a predominantly Republican Senate. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been working together for years now. Well, they they have. I think the the question that a lot of voters have is whether or not they've been working and doing enough, uh, or if they've been you know working to to save the brand. You know, and it's interesting because I, I know I have friends who are voting for you know all of the uh, major Republican candidates. I have family members who are voting for. Uh, at least one of the two Democratic candidates. I have, I have yet to find a family member or a friend who's voted for Hillary Clinton. But I don't know anybody who's voting for Hillary Clinton. But I know but that, that's they're, a good I, thing. I know that they're out there. There's a lot out there. I was surprised by how many out there. Um, but, you know, I just, uh, again, I, I worry that uh, what you have right now is sort of on the left. You have the, the, this, the, the collective, right? I mean, you have the party, capital P party. Uh, and then it's on like the right, the you sort of have... You have these tribes, you have these, these you know, groups of individuals who are more of a loose confederation uh, who don't seem to be cooperating all that well right now. No, not at all. And what's sad is, you know, to me, one of the reasons why I call myself a conservative is because I believe in individual liberty and I believe in individual freedom and I believe in the the value and worth of individuals. Uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of collectivism. I'm a libertarian. I believe in a lot less government. Well, I'm a communist, if you want to get right down to it. I'm I a would, communist. I think this country would be really well served if I was the totalitarian dictator and I took charge of things, because I would make it all right. I don't better. think it's a very libertarian position to declare yourself that you'd want to be the totalitarian dictator. Well, I would have to be, because I would have to make it all right. That's what they all say. scour out all the crap. Oh, that's what they all say. Whittle it all back and... Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, Stalinista. That's everybody. It's not just Stalin. Well, I'm I sure know, Winston the- Churchill had the same mentality about you know getting in there and breaking a couple of noggins up. Mm, I don't think so. I think once you've decided that you know his mom was American, he totally had that mentality. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a dic- I don't think he had the dictatorship mentality. No, no, no. I'm not saying that he had a dictatorship mentality. I, I'm just saying that he probably had the mentality of trying to make it all right. Well, I don't think so, because I think Winston Churchill was a conservative, and I think Winston Churchill realized that man can't make it all right. I'm not a man. So there you human go. Human beings. I'm not a human being either. I'm a woman, and I would make it right. So there you go. Next question. Oh. Etopia. Sure. But not quite, because it's happen. not socialist. Not Everybody would have to have a job. It'd be okay. like a kibbutz, but with taxes <laughs> and education. And okay. A, and, you know, a strong federal government taking care of the the military, the highway system, and the United States postal system. And that's pretty much it. Even though the United States postal system is a separate entity, not terribly governed by the United States government, and has its own thing going on, that's all they should be in charge of. Period. That's it, huh? Roads, military, postage. I'm good with that. All right, there you go, a, they, uh, a minimalist. 
and a flat tax. Even Forbes agrees with me on that. It's going to be hard for you to be a totalitarian if you're uh, so minimalist in in that regard. Well, whatever I am. I'm totally in charge. That's that's the mentality. (laughs) My totalitarian is, I'm totally in charge. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it right. You're going to listen. And then it's all going to be good. Uh, Great. Okay. See, I'm, I'm more, never going to get elected, no, so it doesn't matter. Not, so know. it's all pipe dreams and stupidity, but <laughs> it's a hell of a lot better than what I'm looking at right now. Uh, well, I'm looking at an email from uh, Bailey, who wrote back in, who uh, said uh, he wanted to let us know a little bit about him. First of all, Bailey is uh, 21 years old, a native of Wisconsin. Bailey wrote in last week. He says his girlfriend is a year younger than uh, he is. Not currently in school, working a full-time job, saving money just someday, hopefully soon. Move to a small farm and start a family. Bailey says, I'm also in the Wisconsin Army National Guard. And funnily enough, he says, I did my basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I would rather not go back. No offense, he says. I understand Lawton is not the uh, prettiest part of the state, Bailey. Uh, Bailey turned 21 in July. He says, so in October, he finally had enough money saved up to purchase a handgun and get his concealed carry license. Bailey's also an avid listener of Cam and Company as well. Thank you for that, Bailey. Uh, Bailey says, now to the important bits, I wanted to share with you guys a little about what Wisconsin is like this time of year. The weather is very confusing. Yesterday, it was 53 and sunny uh, here in Milwaukee. Today, we have a winter storm warning for four to six inches of snow. He says, uh, in all honesty, this is one of my favorite parts of living here. The ground is starting to turn green. Animals are poking their heads out from their burrows. I have a rather distinct memory of tapping our giant maple tree in the backyard and rescuing baby bunnies that got their heads stuck in the chicken wires around in our vegetable garden. Uh, whatever anyone tells you about Wisconsin in the wintertime, the spring rebirth more than makes up for the dreary, dark cold that permeates everything between November and March. Bailey says, I love animals, particularly farm animals. Go to the bomb, says <laughs> Bailey. Do you want, uh, Bailey, if you want, we, we've we got a ship couple. a couple, yeah. Yeah, you can come down and pick one up, uh, even though I've never had the opportunity to raise any, says Bailey. Uh, I do, however, he says, have a great deal of experience growing vegetables and composting food scraps and the like. Unfortunately, he says, I'm not sure how much of my knowledge will be applicable uh, applicable rather to you, Virginians, since Wisconsin has a much shorter growing season and uh, different climate considerations. Uh, but uh, he says, that's all for now. Got to get back to work. And uh, he says he'll keep his eyes peeled for more baby goats on Instagram. Well, thank you, <laughs> Bailey. There will be more baby goats uh, coming on Instagram. I, I don't know how, how often you've been able to snap pictures. They're they, always moving. They, it's really, really, really hard <laughs> to take a picture of... What's essentially a Mexican jumping bean with like the spring ability of like something on acid. Like it's Seriously. insane. Like I took a picture of them earlier today and I was like, they're enjoying the grass. And but most of the time it's just they're like streaks of brown and polka dots just running all over the place. They're right now they're wreaking havoc in our family room. Yeah. Parkouring off the bookcases and nibbling on game boxes. They they've discovered they like to eat plastic for some annoying reason. I'm like that's a goat thing, apparently. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll do what we can, but uh, we have we do have again some other ones on the way. I wish I could compost the food scraps. Like, there's some things that I should probably be putting in compost, but then everything else is just fed to the hogs. Right. So. Yeah, and uh, Rob wrote in actually uh, just uh, forwarded a a video uh, from YouTube. Thank you for this, Rob. This is pretty interesting. The world's ten most expensive fruits. Uh, which, uh, as far as like raising and as far as selling, oh, yeah. So, like, number 10 was a Dinsuki watermelon. Uh, praised for its unique sweetness. This melon also has a very distinctive look, it's all black and lacking stripes. 
uh, at its price point. It's a grocery store standout in 2008, a 17-pounder. Sold at auction for $6,100. Holy moly. That's like those black chickens. Have you seen them? Yes. They're $5,000 for a breeding pair. Yeah. Black eyeballs, black feathers, black skin, black meat. Yeah, that's weird. Even black eggs. Weird. That's kind of... I mean, just the the outer. Right. I mean, the eggs inside, all inside eggs is all the same. Sure. It's the color. But I'm just... That, even for my goth... (laughs) <laughs> side is just a little too bizarro. I don't think I'd want to... It's a big Asian delicacy, but I really don't think I would be all that jazzed about eating black chicken meat. No. I think my uh, brain would be like, that's not good eats. Goth chicken sounds like a great name for a band, though, It right? does. Didn't they open up with the Smashing Pumpkins one year? I thought it was Alice Cooper, but I probably. Alright, that is unfortunately about all the time that we have for you on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Until we meet again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Say goodnight, Missy. Goodnight, Missy. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Goodnight, baby goats. Uh, not yet. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh-huh.